0: Now, listening to
1: the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you on a Wednesday afternoon as opposed to a Tuesday afternoon we used to do this because we wanted to watch the Ravens game and see how that shook out, but that's all right. Rich Hill, it's Wednesday. We are one day closer to Thanksgiving. Football is happening all around us. Love this time of year.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Patriots are sitting at a terrible, awful, no good, very bad 10-1 Coming off of a victory over the Dallas Cowboys, who lead the NFC East. The sky is completely gone, but Turkey is here. Alec, I'm doing pretty well. How are you feeling this week? I'm doing
1: great, my man. Again, I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite day of the year, my favorite holiday, hands down. I feel like this week, at least in my personal life or professional life, not a lot gets done uh, in the office by people who are kind of checking out earlier, taking some time off. So, this is kind of a week to wind down a little bit, tie off some loose ends, and get ready to relax for a couple of days. There's that really brutal stretch between like Labor Day and Thanksgiving where there are just no holidays and no long weekends and no days off. And the sky falls down at like three o'clock. It's dark and it's just a kind of a rough transition from the summertime. But now we're into the holidays and um, I'm ready to get into it and enjoy it and come to that magical time when games actually start to matter for the Patriots, as opposed to kind of waiting for the postseason to arrive.
0: Oh, absolutely. And so we just finished, uh, you know, this latest week, week 12 of the NFL season. And this is where the playoff implications start mattering. Uh, we'll have more of the breakdown of the playoff scenario on the Thursday podcast. But at this point in time, Patriots are potentially one week away from clinching a playoff spot. And that's not really thanks to too much of what happened this week, because you look at the schedule... Not too much went in the Patriots' favor, Alec. Uh, the Buffalo Bills beat the Denver Broncos, so the Bills are keeping pace. Uh, they have, you know, the third best record in the AFC. The Texans beat the Colts on Thursday night. The Steelers beat the Bengals. The uh, you know the Baltimore Ravens absolutely annihilated the Los Angeles Rams. The Titans beat the Jaguars. You have a lot of teams that are still in the hunt, Alec. What were your thoughts on this week?
1: The big thought I have to take away from this week was, uh,
0: holy crap, did
1: the Niners beat the snot out of the Packers. Did not see that coming. But more relative to the AFC and the Patriots, this Baltimore Ravens team, Rich, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment and go a little overboard on what I've seen out of them. But they just look, I watched a lot of that game so I was very curious as to what Lamar Jackson could do on the West Coast against a quote-unquote good defense in, in L.A. They look Unstoppable right now, and I feel like whoever is hosting the AF championship game, I think at this point either the Patriots or the Ravens, depending on what goes
0: on, uh, is probably going to the Super Bowl. Oh, absolutely. It's gonna be so hard to beat this Ravens team no matter where you play, because they are so freaking good. Mark Ingram has been revitalized as the lead back with the Ravens when he's no longer sharing snaps with someone else. He is an absolutely fantastic I mean, I know he's splitting snaps with Gus Edwards, but like he is the guy in that backfield. He's, he's not being replaced by anyone. And you have Lamar Jackson, who is a legitimate MVP candidate. I mean, you have, in my mind, a three quarterback race for MVP. You have Lamar Jackson, who I would have in the, as the leader right now. You would have Russell Wilson. And then you also have, uh, Patrick Mahomes in my Dak Prescott. I have in the fourth spot just because he's doing well statistically, but the team just isn't doing as well from our, st- Team record standpoint, and that matters a lot to voters. Um, But the ultimate thing about this Ravens team, Alec, we were just talking about this before the podcast, is how preposterously good they are at scoring points. And so I I was just looking at how they've been scoring per drive. They are scoring 3.19 points per drive on offense, they are averaging greater than a field goal every single time the offense gets the ball. And just for historical context, last year's uh, Kansas City Chiefs offense is the second most efficient offense that we've tracked, and they averaged 3.12 points per drive. So this version of the Ravens offense is more efficient than that Chiefs offense that had Patrick Mahomes winning MVP. And the all-time most efficient offense that we've seen is are the 2007 Patriots, who also averaged 3.19 points per drive. So this Ravens offense is just as efficient as scoring points as the 2007 Patriots. You gotta give respect where it is deserved, and this Baltimore Ravens offense is from another planet. It'll be harder to sustain it in the winter, but at this point in time, this is one of the all-time great offenses.
1: No, it is, and again, tip the cap where you got to tip the cap. It's just funny how we, you and me both, rich anybody who covers football in any capacity, does this when we when we see how. Oh man, have you ever seen anything like insert Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, the Sean McVay run offense, the Atlanta Falcons, Cam Newton, Michael Vick? Every year, there's have you ever seen anything like blank? It's revolutionizing the game. <laughs> Meanwhile, who goes to the Super Bowl every year? It's the Patriots, Rich, and they did themselves a good favor this past Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. Now it's hit at 10-1, their 17th straight 10-win season, NFL record, beating the 49ers, which is unreal. Very sloppy, very wet game. Offense didn't look great. Nobody was healthy. Defense looked good, made enough plays to keep the offense honest. Overall, knee-jerk reaction to this game, Rich, was it a great performance overall from the defense, or is the weather a big factor here?
0: Weather was absolutely a big factor. You could see that early on when Dak Prescott was forced to put a glove on his hand because he just couldn't get a grip on the ball. But honestly, I mean, you got to give credit where it's due. It's a sloppy condition out there, and the Patriots did a solid job making sure that the Cowboys couldn't run the ball because this was the ideal conditions for the Dallas Cowboys to use their big money running back Ezekiel Elliott behind their incredibly elite offensive line and the Patriots didn't let them get away with it. They they held them to three field goals. Stefan Gilmore did not allow a reception for the second straight game. This defense is absolutely amazing. They are the reason why the Patriots are 10 and 1 right now. The reason why they are a contender. And honestly, they're like kind of single-handedly making up for uh, what is now maybe not even an average offense. Is this offense kind of below average at this point? Yeah, it's a
1: good question. They didn't look great, obviously, on Sunday, but they were throwing to a, you're not going to convince me, Edelman is not dealing with a much more significant injury than he lets on, a banged-up Julian Edelman, an undrafted rookie, another rookie coming off of IR, and a 38-year-old tight end. That was their their offense, and so I don't want to make excuses because you play with the guys that are out there. So combine that with the cold weather and the wet weather and the wind, I'm willing to give them a pass for this week. However, on our next podcast, we're going to break down the Houston Texans game, and that is no excuse because Dorsett should be back. Sanu, I'm not sure. Isaiah Wynn is back, and they're in perfect conditions in the Dome, so if they can't put points up in any capacity next week, I will agree with you that they are a lousy offense.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and so I have a question for you, We were talking before the podcast a little bit. Uh, Sloppy conditions, the Dallas Cowboys are missing their star linebacker, Leighton Vander Esch, and typically given those two factors, I would expect the Patriots to draw up a lot of plays to target running back James White. What is going on with James White right now? I feel like he's been quieter this year than he was last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question because I feel like you and I, around week eight or nine last season, he was the MVP of the team. He was more or less the only person consistently putting points on the board and moving the ball. Brady was going to him all the time. He's a great coverage mismatch. And when you're down your three of your receivers, more or less, you figured you'd go to the screen game a lot. It was more or less Edelman and James White as reliable passing targets for Tom Brady on Sunday. He didn't. He saw one target, uh, yeah, one catch for for six negative six yards uh, on three targets. Me, one target one one catch, three targets, negative six yards total, and he only ran the ball twice for five yards. So, uh, I don't think he's really a a factor in the offense right now. Uh, maybe in terms of his ratio of, of catches to production is still the same, but in terms of making big plays moving the chains when necessary, being that third down back that, that Kevin Falk was back in the day. He's just not not there right now. Uh, you posited a good theory, Rich, which I am – inclined to agree with more and more with that everybody is banged up as they are and the Patriots in such good playoff position maybe they don't want to use White too much they don't want to wear him out save him for the postseason and keep some James White plays in their back pocket when it matters the most
0: yeah I mean it's kind of something that they've utilized uh as a strategy in recent years is down the final stretch uh you're trying to figure out what your offensive identity is meant to be last year they kind of held Gronk out because, uh, you know, he is such a valuable player. He also wasn't the same player that he was before all of his injuries, but they counted on him when it mattered most in the Super Bowl and he delivered. And not saying that there's any sort of decline with James White, but when you have an offense that's so strapped with injury, when you're just so limited with the players who you can really truly trust, at these crucial moments of the game there's no danny Amendola coming off of the bench you got a couple rookies you got a midseason acquisition you got a bunch of new faces on this offense and so who you're gonna call uh if Edelman is truly that banged up you gotta go with james white when it gets to crunch time and so you can't risk losing him especially if you feel like utilizing someone else will be just as okay and it seems like, honestly, the the Cowboys had their strategy to not allow James White to leak out of the backfield, and as a result, uh Rex Burkhead saw more targets out of the backfield. So part of it is the opposing strategy of knowing uh the Patriots don't have too many players that Tom Brady can trust, so... You double cover Edelman. You make sure that James White doesn't get a free release and force Tom Brady to throw to Jacoby Myers. And, uh, it kind of worked. I mean, this was Jacoby Myers' big game of the year, four catches, 74 yards. Do you think that Jacoby Myers, and we can even throw in some of the other younger or newer faces, Nikhil Harry in there, Muhammad Sanu, do you think that these players are going to be more trustworthy with Tom Brady over the final stretch of the season? Like what, what do you think we can expect from them moving forward?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question because again, like it's, I think it's really hard. You know, I'd love to sit here and and praise the defense and say that the defense and how they played is exclusively the reason why the Dallas Cowboys were kept out of the end zone all day, but I can't sit here and blame the weather for a poor offense for the Patriots and not the same for Dallas. You have to factor the weather in. That was a really gross, windy game. I'm really glad I was home watching it on the, on the couch. It is not a game I would have wanted to go to. You're a diehard fan if you were there. Congratulations on that one. So I'd love to give it a little more time. In terms of what the weapons you mentioned did with the reps they were given, I think uh, Myers had a great game. There are a couple of balls he probably could have caught that he didn't. Uh, Nikhil Harry, I think, had of his four targets, he caught one that was a touchdown. I think there were two of the – Two, probably three of the four he probably could have caught. One was a little little off. Um, he had a pretty bad drop on the sideline. He was doing kind of the, the toes in, and it kind of bounced off his chest and out. Uh, I think those are just rookie mistakes and rookie jitters. They will come to be. And I think really the thing about Tom brady getting his trust just getting reps and getting ball thrown your way and catching them uh, myers definitely helped his cause harry i don't know uh, jury's still out on him to be honest with you but i liked what i saw that was a beautiful back shoulder catch that was a red zone type type play the Patriots haven't really seen all season so i'm hoping they can take these this game and build off it and then when sanu does come back and dora does come back It'll draw some pressure away on the better receivers. And maybe if it's a scenario where Edelman is double covered and Sanu can't get separation, Brady will be comfortable going to a Myers or a Harry and they're seeing single coverage from other defenses.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it's all about confidence building at this point in time. And from what we saw with Harry is that, I mean, he's clearly still shaking the rust off, but as you said, he presented a type of receiver that the Patriots simply haven't had in the red zone, both this year. I mean, Josh Gordon was that for a little bit, but, uh, Harry is a unique receiver for this Patriots roster and so that's nice for them to have that hopefully he'll continue to develop and honestly I think that we've seen uh Tom Brady taking a Greater interest in the production of these rookies in recent weeks as their role was expected to expand, uh, greater than what he was doing at the beginning of the year. You know, the, the Patriots continued to acquire players because they didn't want to have to rely on their pair of rookies. And so that's why they acquired Sanu, they signed Antonio Brown, they wanted to have a bunch of veterans that understand professional offenses and it just didn't happen and so as a result brady's been putting in more time with them it's been paying off and hopefully down the stretch into the postseason they can emerge the same way that malcolm mitchell did during that 2016 season because uh brady needs his targets and at this point in the year there's not going to be too many other players walking through that door um one last part on that offense uh talking about walking through the door isaiah win he returned to the field at left tackle uh What was your thoughts around his first game back? I haven't gone back and watched any of the the detailed game tape, and it's always
1: hard to single out an offensive lineman watching a game live because your focus is on the ball and where the ball's going, and they never zoom in on the offensive lineman. But I think given the conditions, given the fact that Wynn drew Robert Quinn as a one-on-one matchup right out of the gate, I think he had a fantastic game. I think Brady had more time in the pocket than he's had all season. Uh, he was in on one of uh, Sonny Michelle's best runs of the day. He chipped. I think it was Sean Lee that broke up the seam. He broke off his double-team block and chipped enough to get uh, Michelle out to the outside to pick up the first down to more or less ice the game when they're trying to kill the clock late in the, in the fourth quarter. He had a couple of ISO blocks that he didn't give up the pressure. He gave up the strip sack, so it wasn't perfect. But in terms of an upgrade for Marshall Newhouse, it was leaps and bounds above. Uh, I want to see consistency. I want to see that continue to happen. And I'm very excited for his potential. But I think overall, it's a great performance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And it felt like the rest of the offensive line settled down. Where I wouldn't say that Isaiah Win, I mean, clearly he didn't have a perfect day out there. He gave up a sack, a bunch of quarterback hits, some hurries. But ultimately, uh, it allowed Joe Tooney to do his own thing. And that allowed Ted Karras to do a little bit better. And this rushing attack seemed to be more consistent than it had been at any other point this year, and it, they did it against, as like as you were noting, like a great defensive line of the Cowboys. They have a really good defensive mind, leading it Rod Marinelli. They have two good pass rushers, Robert Quinn, Demarcus Lawrence. They have a uh, you know Michael Bennett is there now. Malik Collins is a really good defensive tackle. So is uh, Cummington. So they have a lot of talent in their defensive front, and this is not an easy game for Isaiah Wynn to return to the field. And I thought that he did well. He was a market improvement. And I think that the offensive line is only going to improve. And as it gets colder and colder out, as we head into December, that offensive line performance is going to be incredibly important for the Patriots' rushing attack and for the rest of the offense to flourish. And uh, I do think that while Isaiah Wynn isn't the key, the solution for the entire offense, he's a major puzzle piece that they had been missing, and now the rest of the picture is going to start to take shape.
1: All right, Rich, before we close the book on the offense completely, uh, November's in the books. November is done. The next time the Patriots play will be December 1st. December and January are when the Patriots always play their best football. Defense is pretty squared away, but if I had to answer, if you have to answer in like 50 words or less or a true-false or yes-no, however you want to parse it out, will the Patriots defense be effective and dangerous
0: over the next two months? Absolutely absolutely i have 120 percent confidence in this patriots defense they've shown that they can take on almost any team you know other than lamar jackson who as we've noted is participating in one of the greatest offenses of all time this defense has played and stopped i mean the cowboys led the league in yards per game this is a top five offense and while it was raining out the Patriots absolutely flummoxed them. They did a good job stopping the run. They did a great job. I mean, Stefan Gilmore, covering Amari Cooper, who had been to this point one of the top ten receivers in the entire league, held him to zero receptions. That is absolutely unheard of. Gilmore, maybe he's not necessarily at that, like, O nine 9 level, but he's at that tier below. He's putting together one of the great cornerback seasons of the past decade. And there's no reason for me to think that they're not going to be able to continue to do it because, as remember, they were missing Jason McCordy out there. They didn't have all of their pieces. Patrick Chung's been banged up. And they still were able to do it well because they have depth, they have experience, they have worked together, they know how to communicate. And that's talking about front to back. Every single player on this defense has so much experience with this team that they know how to play together and I see no reason why that should stop.
1: I'll tell you, man, my absolute favorite play of the game was a defensive play. I think it was third and seven down by the goal line. It was right before the Cowboys made the controversial decision to kick the field goal there instead of going for it to tie the game. They were still down four afterwards. It was third and seven, and Jamie Collins had drawn coverage on Zeke Elliott. And Zeke Elliott motioned out to the he's in the on the left flat. He motioned over to the right. Jamie Collins followed him. Kyle Van Noy had the assignment to rush the passer. As Zeke made his motion. Dak snapped the ball and without thinking or communicating, Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy switched assignments. Van Noy took Zeke, marked him out of the play. Collins made the blitz. Zach, Zach threw it away out of bounds. Play the game and it's that kind of, kind of innate communication that this unit has had together uh that really makes them dangerous down the stretch and stefan gilmore really is a linchpin for that and i'm really excited to see it up against some really good D- offenses coming up in houston and kansas city how would this look rich if there was a player that maybe no one's talking about or not talking about as much or not giving as much praise to either in sunday's game or in general with the defense who would it be for you oh man there's a few
0: and i, I want to give them all the credit that they deserve I mean, the defensive tackles never get any credit. Uh, once Vince Wilfork left, it kind of felt like the personality at that position kind of left the general consciousness. But Lawrence Guy is having a great year. Danny Shelton is also having a great year. Together, they are providing one of the better defensive tackle tandems that we've seen under Bill Belichick. They are doing a great job working together. They never get enough credit because they're in the trenches, but it's not them that I want to talk about. Uh, going to the secondary jonathan jones is a player that i think never gets enough credit as well he is extraordinarily versatile they're having him play safety they're having him play cornerback they're using him against whatever matchups they can where he utilizes his speed to deter a lot of passes in what his direction he's one of the most effective cornerbacks in the entire league i think pro football focus has him as like the, their number two ranked cornerback in the entire nfl so he is succeeding and uh he gets overshadowed by stefan gilmore but Jones is having an amazing season as well, but that's not who I want to talk about. I want to talk about <laughs> Mr. Alandon Roberts who is having a quintessential New England Patriots season. He is a first-time team captain. He is playing very, very well against the run at linebacker in this versatile Patriots defensive front. He is doing a great job there. He is playing more special team snaps this year than he has at any other point in his career, so he's playing on two facets of the game, and not just that. He is stepping in on offense and being the fullback after the Patriots have lost their two fullbacks, and he is doing a good job there. So Mr. Landon Roberts is the unsung player of the New England Patriots at this point in the season. He is earning his spot in Patriots lore as one of those players that is willing and able to do whatever he can at any position. And he is someone that is getting overshadowed, I mean, he's probably not even the top four top five linebackers on the team and yet he is a captain he is excelling in the role that he is asked to play and he doesn't ever get the credit that Hightower or Van Noy or Simon or Winovich or Bentley get at that outside linebacker inside linebacker position so kudos to you Alandon you're having a great year
1: love that pick he's gonna be my pick too and you stole it so I'll just move right along no need to repeat (laughs) myself uh one player actually who maybe who has always been getting credit uh, around the Patriots locker room and Patriots fans, we love him, fan favorite, team favorite, coach favorite, but maybe he's getting the recognition he deserves elsewhere in the league given the season he's having is Matthew Slater as a special teamer. Uh, I don't know if the term best special teamer of all time is even a thing or I can even name enough all-time great special teamers to have that debate. But the season he's having, especially when you're in an offensive struggles and your defense isn't allowing points and field position becomes the name of the game and how you win games – I can't think of much more, uh, many more players who have been consistently valuable to this team than Matthew Slater so far in 2019.
0: Oh, it's so true. He's been emerging so much on special teams, not only just blocking kicks, but uh, you know he recovered that touchdown earlier in the year. I'm still banking on him catching a touchdown from Tom Brady at some point before he retires. <laughs> uh, I don't see All why right. it can't be at this point in the year when everyone is so banged up on offense. I thought it was going to happen. The Patriots just never got to the, the red zone as many times as I thought they could have. Um, But yeah, I mean, Slater is having a great year. Uh, We see uh, right now this year, Steve Tasker, former all-time special teamer great for the Buffalo Bills, is now a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame in 2020. So special teamers are getting some credit. They are getting some acclaim. Maybe Tasker can open up that door. So Slater, who is a multiple-time all-pro, multiple-time pro bowler, the greatest special teamer of the past decade, could have a legitimate shot of making the the hall of fame because honestly he is a true game changer teams have to focus on how he plays and he's you know he's making plays i mean he's making more plays for the special teams you know than the offense is making that's for sure
1: no no it's true uh last question i'll ask you rich while we're kind of talking about more esoteric things as we close out this uh this wednesday podcast I think Stefan Gilmore's a lock for the Pro Bowl. I think Matthew Slater's a lock for the Pro Bowl. That might be kind of it for the Patriots in terms of locks. However... Do you think
0: Jake Bailey makes it as a rookie? Yes, absolutely. I was just going to say that was the first one that came to mind where it's like, I don't know if any other player on this Patriots team will make the Pro Bowl, but Jake Bailey, two-time special teams player of the week for the AFC. He has been amazing. I don't know if I've, I mean, I liked Ryan Allen. I think Ryan Allen is a quality punter. He will have a long, long career in the NFL. And he had the ability to change and win games with his leg. I have never felt more confident in the Patriots punter in the entire Bill Belichick era than every single time Jake Bailey is out there. Whatever the Patriots are doing, whatever Wheaties they're feeding their people, Jake Bailey is dropping absolute dimes on the punting unit. He's doing a great job with kickoffs as well, but specifically as a punter, He just seems to be on a completely different level of understanding with Slater, with Ebner, with Bethel, with all of these other core special teams players. Way to go, Jake Bailey. I do think that he has a real chance of making the Pro Bowl.
1: No, Yeah, so do I. I mean, it's it's, it's funny that... uh... People were poo-pooing that pick. Who the hell picks a punter in the fifth round? But it's porked out and then some. And he kicks off, too. He's a great kickoff guy. I think it might have been the, the play of the game with how the Patriots shifted to, to short kickoffs. Uh, another, another way that Bill Belichick out-coached Jason Garrett uh, and maybe saw him out the door in Dallas. Uh, Rich, it's Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, I got to go prepare some some stuffing and whatnot. And by stuffing and whatnot, I mean do nothing <laughs> while my wife does all the work. <laughs> but I have to watch her do all the work and pretend I'm helping. So anything else you want to talk about before we close this
0: out? Uh, no. Well, everyone have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy spending time with your family or however you choose to celebrate your Thanksgiving. It is one of my favorite holidays. The food is the best. Uh, shout out to my brother-in-law who is a chef who is doing an amazing job, I am sure, preparing the food for this Thursday. I am super thrilled and excited to have it so major props to you uh everyone else who is listening uh i am thankful for your listenership i'm thankful for your readership and your you know continued support of pat's pulpit alec it has been an incredible run i've hit 10 years with pat's pulpit at this point wow this past october 10 years so i wouldn't be here without you all and so to that end i thank all of you alec do you have any final thoughts
1: Ditto to all that. I've been here since 2011, so you got two years on me, but it's been an absolutely amazing ride thus far. Not even close to done. This is not a farewell podcast, but Thanksgiving's all about taking a time to stop and appreciate what you have and saying what you what you feel before it's actually too late. So I'm thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for this fan base. I'm thankful for this team. And I'm thankful I'm not a New York Jets fan.
0: Oh, absolutely. Happy butt fumble uh, anniversary, y'all. <laughs> uh, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Bye, man.